0: Hello, and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Every Duke Has His Day by Suzanne Enoch. This was just published in 2023, and full disclosure,
1: we did receive a complimentary copy for our review. And to our knowledge, this is not part of a series, but no, if this it is, were to be, is. it would be the first book in a series, so.
0: I believe so. I mean, last year, around the same time we reviewed a a book that I think w- had similar intentions by Suzanne Enoch, Something in the Air, H E I R, which we, mm, there were some issues with it. <laughs> and I think we'll probably talk about that a little bit as we get further into this series or into the review, I should say, into the episode today. I will say that this is, I want it to be, you know, full disclosure, this is a, uh, What's a a closed-door romance? So, FYI.
1: I I don't know that that needed a disclosure, but okay. (laughs) You know, it's important for people to know, I think. So, the book jacket. Michael Bromley, Duke of Wariton, has a passion, but it's not for chasing ladies or gambling till dawn. No, his is the far more dangerous pursuit of the science of chemistry. He may be a tad eccentric, but he can navigate a society ballroom and manage a polite conversation, if he must. He's certainly capable of taking care of his aunt's perfectly behaved poodle, Lancelot, while she's on holiday.
0: Elizabeth Bitsy Dockring, third daughter of a Viscount, is enjoying her second spectacular season in London. She is a diamond of the season and is adored by all, and especially by her precious black poodle, Galahad. To everyone else, however, Galahad is a demon dog, so much so that Bitsy's most insistent beau and particular victim of Galahad's bad manners has hired a
1: thief to steal the dog, clearing the way for his suit. But none of them can plan for a chaotic encounter in the park, resulting in lost notes, a soaking in the serpentine, and an accidental dog swap, and Lancelot being kidnapped instead of Galahad. Determined to locate the dog, Michael isn't thrilled to be saddled with a flighty female insisting on helping, except that Bitsy has a great deal more sense than he expected. And a
0: sharp tongue to match. Still, what's the scientist to do but continue to pursue an outcome, however unexpected it may be? But chemistry is all about attraction, and this is one formula with some hilariously romantic results.
1: I'm totally fine with that jacket.
0: Yep. It's totally fine. It's actually really great. It's not just totally fine. It's a very good jacket.
1: Uh, So, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50 and used that number as a word count to write our own summaries. And this episode, that number is 44. Uh, So I'll go first. Two of the only people with black poodles in London get up to dog-related hijinks and become unlikely allies. Of course, the most disrespected and reclusive Duke is a big softie and also extremely hot. And society's incomparable has hidden depths. This is
0: cute. So cute. That's the perfect word for this book. It is so cute.
1: Saccharine so cute. and not in a bad way. Not in a bad way? What was Here's your story, Meg?
0: Absent-minded scientist slash Duke loses his aunt's poodle. Actually, his poodle gets mixed up with ditzy bitsies. Except she's not ditzy. She's actually really nice. So when the Duke's aunt's dog gets dog napped, she helps foil the plot. Along the way, they fall in love. Yes. Yes.
1: yes. Like, <laughs> it's so cute. I loved it. I-, I had the most fun with this book. Yes. So much fun. So much fun. So uh, tropes. I think the big one is this is the like wallflower and the society darling. But I think usually when you see it, it's like the peer, the Duke, the man who's absolutely perfect. And he falls for a woman who is reclusive and shy and a bookworm. And this is the opposite. He's rejecting all of society's norms and has always kind of felt awkward in those environments. And she is just a class act who expects to be wanted and loved and married off for her acumen in society. Mm-hmm. I will note that he's kind of a character archetype mm-hmm. of
0: the absent-minded professor. Yes. Right? He's he's very handsome, um, but he, he doesn't follow society's rules less because he doesn't know them and more because he doesn't see the point. Yes. And... He has notes around his lab saying, you know, don't forget to do this or put this out before you leave, you know. Mm-hmm. Like just very absent minded professory qualities, which this is a character character archetype I really enjoy. So I really like that part.
1: I found him very charming. Uh absolutely.
0: <laughs> Me too. There is a meet-cute with the dogs. This is absolutely, again, sort of an archetypal um, meeting, right? Like, they bump into each other in the park. Their dogs get their leashes tangled up. One of them falls in the pond. Like, it's, it's very much you feel like you've seen it before, but not in a bad way.
1: It reminded me a little bit of... 101 Dalmatians, right? That's how Pongo and Perdita's owners meet is they sort of get tangled up in each other. And I also thought it was adorable because like the point of this book is the dogs. Yes. In a lot of ways. And so I think the fact that the dogs were interwoven through so many of those moments was really important for this book to work. I totally agree. So there's a trope within the B plot Mm -hmm. of a man and a woman who are clearly flirting and like clearly interested in one another very very seriously but the man refuses to act on or articulate those feelings until he's settled. Mm-hmm. And usually I do not like when secondary and tertiary characters get a ton of POV chapters. I do not like when villains get POV chapters. All of that worked for me here. All of it. All of it. It it, it worked for me too.
0: Um, of course, because this is a book about dogs, animals can sense when someone is good or bad. Like you know, I'm sorry, but you know that when Galahad doesn't like one of her suitors, but of course, does like Michael right away, mm-hmm, we look, anyone who's paying any attention knows that Michael is a good guy and Peter's a bad guy.
1: Correct. And I loved it. Talk about a book that like everything about it was obvious and a foregone conclusion, but the journey of reading it was like the most mindlessly perfect fun. Exactly, yes. It was everything I wanted. Um, And he, so she, as we mentioned, is like society's darling. And he starts to fall for her. I mean, he thinks she's hot from like the beginning. But he starts to fall for her when she makes some really insightful comments and suggestions when they're working on finding the kidnapped dogs. Mm -hmm. And when she asks really good questions about his work in a way that doesn't seem patronizing or condescending. Like he's used to people asking because they feel like they have to and then checking out. And she's really engaged. So this is very much the, yes, she's hot and gorgeous and polite and he appreciates all of those things but he's the first person who's ever called her smart or clever yes and that's part of why she falls so hard for him
0: yes this does not i want to point out fall into the not like other girls trope oh god right like it it might sound like it could but it what i really liked about it is that for bitsy like being a part of society and like having these friends and having these connections is actually really important to her Mm mm-hmm and it it's not at odds with her being intelligent or smart or making insightful comments, right? Like, it's
1: a part of her personality. Exactly. It's not she's so much more than that in the sense that she's so much better than that. Yes. It's just she's so much more than yes. just that.
0: Well, and you get the feeling, too, that Michael maybe could have found someone else who suited him. But it happened that he and Bitsy were the ones who... Ran into each other, literally, Mm -hmm. and started to get to know each other, right? Like, he had never made the effort before. So, it's sort of this, a real falling into the relationship that I liked. It wasn't like a love at first sight uh, for either of them, which I also really appreciated. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk briefly about something in the air. So, (laughs) that was the book that we read last year by Suzanne Enoch. Um, in that book, it was a traditional Regency. It was a closed-door romance. It was supposed to be like a screwball comedy, so very similar to this book. We did not find that it worked for us because a lot of the issues that it took on were too serious for a screwball comedy. In my opinion, this book works because the entire thing is so surface and frivolous and fun and that's what i loved about it
1: and it's not to say the characters aren't deep or didn't show emotional growth throughout the book they absolutely did but dog napping and poodles is exactly the right kind of conflict for a romp yes exactly exactly
0: So, Lane, when you read this book jacket before you actually read the book.
1: Okay, did not read the book jacket before I read the book.
0: (laughs) All right, well, when you jumped into this book, what were you thinking?
1: Okay, I'm not going to lie. My initial reaction when, because in chapter one, he gets left with his aunt's dog. And then chapter two is her perspective of having this aggressive dog. And I was very nervous. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want an angsty dog book. Not actually here for dog books very often. They're kind of like kids. Yeah. In that, like, they're fine as scenery, but that's about it. And um, so I kind of groaned a little bit through the first two chapters, I was like, uh, this is not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And then became immediately charmed and I was totally wrong and everything about this book was so pitch perfect. Yes. Including things that, like, I usually would not like from the villain's POV chapters to the fact that it's closed door. Like, this was exactly the book it needed to be. Yes. That's exactly... That's exactly what I think.
0: It's like everything was just perfectly calibrated. Yes. Um, the humor was perfect. The B plot was perfect. Like seriously, just even the fact that they are black poodles the, with the black poodle haircut. Mm-hmm. Like everything about it.
1: I'm not like everything about this book was just. I boring. even really liked the dog kidnapper's girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> who like had no reason to be in the book from like an objective point of view, but I loved all the scenes with her. Yes, I loved her.
0: I loved him. like, yes. and and um it does this thing that some romances do too, that have the they have the a plot, which is like the aristocratic couple. Mm-hmm. and then they have the B plot, which is the lower class or middle class couple. right. And in many romances, especially historical romances, the a plot and the aristocratic couple, they get the sex scenes and they get the intimacy and the B plot couple, and they get a few kisses or whatever because who knows why middle class morality or whatever but because this is closed door it worked for me really well in that respect as well because neither one of the couples got more like intimacy or like more deepening of their relationship than the other one just got more scenes than the other right i totally agree yeah um i also loved lord peter he is the villain And he is the perfect kind of villain to hate because he's like casually cruel, but he's not
1: evil. And he also has no idea what an asshole he is. Oh, yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. I, I, one of the things I loved about him was when Bitsy and Michael started spending more time together. He didn't even see Michael as a threat. Mm hmm. He's just like, oh, geez, now Bitsy's spending time with Michael. And it's not that he thinks that she's going to fall in love with him, with Michael. She, he thinks that, oh, no, she. He spe- she's not spending time with me because she's looking for the lost dog, basically. Right. He's just like, oh, Michael's butting in. She's going to be so bored. But
1: I wanted to spend this time with her. So annoying. It's like if Michael weren't in the picture, she'd already have given up and grieved her dog in about 12 hours and be ready to move on. Yeah, that's actually his thought process.
0: Exactly. I mean, everything about what he does is just so misguided and so stupid. And it's because he is the kind of villain that he is, which is that he has no empathy. Right. Right. Like he doesn't, he wouldn't care about his dog going missing. So he doesn't understand that Bitsy is going to be really upset when her dog goes missing. Correct. Right. Like he can't predict other people's behavior because he's so self-centered. And this makes him, again, the perfect, the perfect villain to hate.
1: Honestly. Absolutely.
0: Uh, so, again, you were talking about pitch perfect, like perfectly calibrated. He was the perfect villain for this
1: book. And he was the perfect level of evil for this book. And the consequences for his actions satisfied me. Yes, exactly. It's like, did,
0: again, did he deserve to get murdered and burned down in the woodsman's cottage by the Sinster family? No. No. And he's not. Yeah, exactly. But he does get punished for what he did. Which was pretty psychopathic when you think about it. Yes. So, you know.
1: (laughs) So, one of the things that stood out to me in this book in a, like, it's not a positive or a negative way, it was just a thing I really took note of, is the way they talk about her being the diamond Mm -hmm. and a diamond is very clearly from Bridgerton. Mm -hmm. that that sort of permeated the romance lexicon. Yeah. And it got me thinking, because the romance novels I'm used to reading call the incomparable. Right. Or, like, essentially various phrases to denote the it girl. But now I'm wondering if, like, calling a woman incomparable is historically accurate, or if that's just a word that got trendy in the 90s. Yeah. And was, like, the Norman historical romance until now this new norm has taken over the diamond yeah i don't know that's an interesting question so like there... at first i was annoyed by it and then i was like it's not like i know for a fact the slang used in other historical romance novels is the right one right <laughs> this just isn't the one i'm used to
0: <laughs> and you know honestly you know what if by using the word diamond it gets bridgerton fans to read this book more power to them i mean bridgerton fans are probably going to be disappointed with the
1: closed door but
0: yeah yeah I don't know. This one, this one worked for me. Uh, this one worked for me as a screwball, like classic Hollywood. Yes, um, pastiche as well.
1: Absolutely. Like especially
0: with like the the smart and yet and beautiful heroine who has this animal that's like maybe uncontrollable, like um, like bringing up baby. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like I wouldn't say it's like a direct link, but I would say it's kind of a similar vibe.
1: There's a very 1950s, 1960s film vibe to this for sure.
0: And again, in a very good way. Yes. I don't know. I loved it. Let's see. Uh, Anything you want to talk about more before we move on to content warnings? No. All right. So content warnings, Lane.
1: I mean, this book didn't really have many. <laughs> no. It is very surface letter level. Obviously, Peter feels very entitled to mm. Bitsy's person and feelings, but ultimately nothing in terms of him crossing a line toward hers on the page. Um, I will note that her dog, Galahad, had been previously kidnapped and abused and shows a lot of aggressive behaviors, especially toward men, that Bitsy dates to that abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're somebody who cannot even hear about animals that have ever been mistreated or have gone through having a pet who has those aggressive behaviors and trying to cope with them, it might be something to be aware of. Um, and I will note that Peter discusses dog murder quite a bit. He talks um, about it because he really doesn't like Galahad. But uh, I will note that, one, you as the reader are never worried about what's going to happen to these dogs. No. So uh, does thedogdie.com? No.
0: No. Dog doesn't die. None of them. And there are actually quite a few dogs in this book.
1: Yeah. Everybody comes out of it better than they started it.
0: Mm-hmm. Except for Peter, which is what he deserves. Correct. <laughs> okay, Elaine, this, this book is a closed door book. Should we talk about sexiness?
1: I mean, I think it's worth praising it when the amount of physical intimacy on the page is appropriate to the book. I totally agree with you. I totally agree
0: with you. This book... The right choice for this book was that it
1: was closed door. There were what, three pretty chaste kisses on the page, but Mm -hmm. the way that they both reacted to those, um, I should say between the A couple, was extremely appropriate and helped them build their intimacy. I think it would have been really weird to have explicit sex scenes interspersed with these like dog romps.
0: The only place it would have worked would have been like as an epilogue or something. And, but that would have been a total tone shift. Exactly. And, and it, again, like it, that's the only place it would have worked uh, like chronologically in the story, but it, it wouldn't have worked for
1: the story. Well, and the main romantic conflict in this book is sort of, one, they don't really know each other, so they just get thrust together because of this situation. Um, and ultimately, he's not what she expected to want, and she's not what he expected to want. And they feel like as, you know, this investigation into the dog situation progresses, like, is this the excuse that's keeping them together or is this something that they want to build on? There's never like that big falling out or a third mm. act breakup or whatever. Yes. They're just sort of working through expectations versus reality. So ultimately the romantic conflict in the book's conflict, like additional physical intimacy wouldn't have helped resolve it. No. I'm not saying like, I never think it's worth it. But, like, it really, it really wouldn't have helped them figure anything out here. I agree.
0: I will say, so this has nothing to do with the intimacy. I just forgot to mention it earlier, so I want to mention it. I thought that it was also the perfect amount of matchmaking. Like, when his aunt came, I loved it, Lane. Oh, my
1: God. Like, loved it. Well, and I really enjoyed that, like, okay, he's the Duke, but he doesn't have, like, a ton of trauma yeah no From the fact that his parents are both dead like he wasn't like an abused child and her parents are both on the page and you know she has at least two older sisters and a brother but like on the whole it's just like a generic happy enough family like I just sort of liked that there wasn't any even like background twist of trauma yes yes this this book it's frothy it's light
0: it's so much fun it's so charming like, honestly, I really, really loved the experience of reading it.
1: Yeah, and her parents respect her, but not to the degree that they're, like, fine with her cavorting with this strange man at night. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when she, she does something at the end that sort of gets her revenge or whatever, and her parents' response is sort of, next time, tell us we want to be there. Yeah, right? It was just, like, it was so good. It, it, It
0: honestly... It was so wholesome. In a really good way. In a good way. This book did
1: not set a foot wrong. Mm
0: -hmm. I loved
1: it. I would
0: recommend it to anyone.
1: I mean, props to Suzanne Enoch too for, at least in our opinion, sort of trying out something new with the last book and then the second time attempting that, recognizing that, you know, certain things needed to be shifted and doing so very, very admirably. Like this was, this was the better version of something in the air. No questions asked.
0: No questions. I loved it. Me too. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and check us out wherever you can find Platris.